Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Chan Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult. This podcast is brought to you by PrimeMed. Your practice has just hired two nurse practitioners. You've never worked with a nurse practitioner before and do not know much about their training. However, there's a strong demand in your practice for more provider access. You discuss with your colleagues some questions and concerns you have. Are NPs safe? Are they able to perform at the same level as you and prescribe? Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today is Dr. Jill Terrian, Associate Professor and Associate Dean of Interprofessional and Community Partnerships at the UMass Chan Medical School, Tan Ching Fen Graduate School of Nursing. Hi, Jill. Hi, Frank. This is such a good paper. Thank you very much. Um, before we get into the data on the comparison of how um, APPs and physicians practice, um, I think we should probably remind everyone about the educational requirements to become a nurse practitioner or a physician assistant. I'm glad you asked that, Frank. Becoming an NP is is rigorous. Uh, it's a rigorous educational process, and it's underpinned with evidence-based coursework and clinical rotations. To become an NP, first you have to be a registered nurse. Typically, one holds a Bachelor of Science degree in nursing, or they've had a bachelor's in another field and they have come through an accelerated program to meet the requirement to become an RN. They then go on to complete a nurse practitioner-focused graduate master's or doctoral nursing program and successfully pass a national NP board certification exam in their chosen specialty. During graduate school, NPs gain advanced clinical knowledge and skills to diagnose, manage, and prescribe medications and other treatments for patients. And let, let's talk about physician, our physician assistant colleagues. They need to complete a four-year undergraduate degree, and most PA programs require you to obtain about 2,000 hours of healthcare-related work. Then they complete a two-year master's program, followed by passing a certifying exam, and then they obtain a license to practice in their state. Doctoral degrees are also being offered for PAs right now. Okay, so there's a significant amount of graduate work for both both of those degrees. Um, what's been the opposition to nurse practitioners uh, and their practice? Well, what we find is uh, there are professional medical organizations that have lobbied to block prescribing authority to non-physician prescribers, so both NPs and PAs, because they feel it will have an adverse effect on the quality of care, the quality of patient care. And before this study, there were several smaller studies, but this is a larger study that really adds to the body of evidence. And I also want to say, Frank, it's not us against them. I have had a very fruitful career working with wonderful physicians, PAs, and NPs. And so I think that there are pockets of resistance, but, you know, obviously, you know, all are thriving and we're trying to meet the same goal of quality patient care. I'll say the same, Jill. I've had the good fortune to work with nurse practitioners throughout my career. And um, I'm, like I said, I'm glad we're discussing this study. So let's talk a little bit about what it, what it had to say. 
Sure. So what this study looked at was 32 states that permit independent prescribing by NPs. Not every state allows it. Therefore, that's why we have these 32 states they looked at. They looked at seven years of Medicare data that was used from the states that do permit that independent prescribing to assess prescribing patterns of the American Geriatric Society beers list. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But this list, which many I'm sure are familiar with, lists potentially inappropriate appropriate medications for adults 65 or older. And in this study, they looked at about 50,000 primary care physicians and 24,000 NPs that were included in this data set. And, And what they found is that overall, the mean rates of prescribing potentially inappropriate medications were similar for both groups. And that worked out to about 1.7 episodes for every 100 prescriptions in each group. So basically, they were the same. So looking in particular at prescribing habits of nurse practitioners against physicians, and looking in particular at their beers prescribing, and it turned out to be that they're both their rates were extremely low, and that they were between the two specialties equivalent. Um, any limitations with this study? Yeah, there were limitations. Um, you always have to look at that, right? So this study looked at the 65 and older population for prescribing based on the BS criteria. So it was very, very uh, specific. However, we have to look at this population because it take, this population takes the majority of drugs prescribed. Most of them ha- are on 8 to 10 prescriptions each. Uh, Also, this study didn't look, did not address other measures of care quality that include the appropriateness of prescribing other medications. And that would include, you know, antibiotics, pain medications, and other classes of drugs. So what does this mean? What's this study? So it adds to the body of evidence, like I already stated. But states that currently do not allow NPs to prescribe independently should really include this study's data in any reconsideration of restriction to improve access in that state. I I love your optimism because you're assuming that more facts will improve people's understanding of things. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Now, I remember there's some other data that shows um, that discusses quality comparing physicians to NPs and PAs. What, what did that find? Yes, uh, listeners will see on the website a study by Zhao et al. Uh, that was in 2018. And this looked at the quality of prescribing by physicians, nurse practitioners, and physicians assistants in the U.S. And the quality of prescribing amongst the three groups was comparable in meeting those quality standards. So that was a, and it was a really big study. So, and there's other data out there. I also want to point listeners to the other resources, which I've brought them to the, uh, you know, the nurse practitioner and PA websites, if they want to know more information. And I also added in the BIOS criteria, which was updated in 2023. And they can look at it. It's a large document, but, you know, it's got everything in there if they were curious to see what was on the list. They've updated it quite a bit. They have a discussion about Coumadin and the novel anticoagulant agents, opioids, gabapentin, and so on. Um, So, you know, the data... The data is being accumulated and, you know, there's enough room for all of us. I couldn't agree more. Thanks, Jill. Practice pointer. There is a major shortage of primary care physicians in the U.S. Let's expand access and work as a team with nurse practitioners and our physician associate colleagues. 
Join us next time when we talk about a new test to help identify patients at increased risk of falls. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim CME credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, follow the link in the description. To stay up to date on the most recent clinical research and news, please subscribe to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine and be sure to check out primed.com for additional CME content.